you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL podcast is freaking awesome. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room that's filled with heroes. Connie Fox, Colleen Wolf to others, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, people? Hey, Dan. It's been a minute. It's been. I know. Great to see you guys again, see your so faces. Great. So great. Mm-hmm. You were back east in uh, Philly doing yep. – eating cheesesteaks and ringing the Liberty Bell, things like that. Obviously ringing the Liberty (laughs) Bell. Like, had to do that. Yeah. And, Wes, you just got back from Tybee, and we've already – I feel like the the Tybee event has been very well covered. We've been tracking it very closely, but now the the man of the island is back. So I was curious what your overall takeaways were from the weekend. It was a – Fantastic, magical weekend. And Greg did a good job of describing it as you almost feel like you're getting away with something. Mm. The people who live on that island have basically said to the rest of society, we're not following your conventions. We're flouting them. Um, And it can be a little obnoxious. There can be a little hedonism. But I think the redeeming value is that each of these characters has become so interesting and the way they live their lives, that it's really a performance art. Mm -hmm. That the purpose of art is to create a pure moment, and I can count, I would need two hands to count the pure moments from the weekend. Great sell. We're like the tourism community uh, committee for (laughs) Tybee Island at this point. I love it. Well, yeah, what struck me is like the characters that Wes is friends with, and they're all so different. Like... They're they're all such unique characters, and they could not it could not be a bigger. It's such a cross section of people all bringing their own like flavor to the party. By the way, that Huckapoo's hat is amazing. Oh yeah, there was a little exchange. I gave some Super Bowl swag to a buddy of mine, and he gave me the Huckapoo's. <laughs> nice. You know, there is um, whether it's Austin, Texas, or Portland, uh, Oregon. There is some communities that pride themselves on being different and unique. And it's like, keep Austin weird, keep Portland weird. Maybe all all, us talking about Huckapoo's on some level puts it in danger. We don't want a bunch of, you know, basic people rolling into Tybee, right? We want to keep it weird. We don't have to worry about that. The basic people go to Hilton Head. Right. Oh. And my my sense is the, the people on Tybee drive out the basic people. Yes. They don't make them. They not feel comfortable. Yeah. And I don't know if Greg told you about his gambling moment. No. Oh, we should definitely dive in. He typically hides these things from us. One of the best moments of the weekend was, and this is hard to explain how this happens, but I am outside and it's dusk. It's dark. 
We're playing cornhole for hours, and there is a section of the party inside in the drinking garage. Right. And uh, my friend Denise has created this dice game, which she has called Turd Ferguson. And I think she came up with the name on the spot, but... Sounds like it. I didn't even know all this was going on, but because I was playing cornhole, and I look over, and every, like, five minutes, the whole garage just erupts. And if it was in cartoon form, it would be, like, the roof comes off for a, for a mere second, and, like, there's this bright, shining light, and the whole building shakes because it just erupts, and people, like, cheering and laughing, and, and it was Greg winning. Wow. I got a lot of I got a lot of props for my dice swag. Just the attitude wow. that came in there and then just the domination. I felt like like it was crazy how Denise made it feel like I, I like I was Frank Sinatra in Vegas in like the 1950s. It was just You were winning like sandwiches or food or what like what were you like winning? A tiny amount exactly. like 5 bucks. Yeah. Mm. It, it's a tiny amount. Of Greg money. winked as he said that, by the right. way, just for the yeah. listening audience. It's, true. It, it's a way Denise has as a performance artist. She was like Freddie Mercury working the crowd at Live Aid. <laughs> she had she had the whole place in the palm of her hand for a minute. Uh, I look forward to like the uh, Denise uh, biopic to come out. Oh yeah, down the line. Yeah, it's coming. Um, all right, so everyone's back together. Almost. Mark is in the wilderness, and by wilderness, I mean the middle of Los Angeles somewhere, wandering around, hopefully Ooh. enjoying. Is himself. he posting on Instagram? Is he? I, I have. I not don't know. Tracking. We got to check. I'll check. I have not been tracking. Uh, but we got a nice show coming up today. Uh, a lot of news to get to, including a very. Uh, controversial new league rule that was agreed to by the owners and is leading to a lot of talk a lot of talk streets are talking both sides of the aisle uh also the dreaded acl monster strikes again uh, hurting uh, one of the front runners i would say uh for the team of atl uh and uh, a lot of news to get to oh my goodness there's a almost a browns trade christian hackenberg update uh, Richie Incognito update. So much to get to. So we're going to do a lot of news today and really dig in on what's going on in the league during uh, – what phase are we in, Greg, of OTAs? Three. Phase three. Of uh, How many? I think four. Phase four. I like fi- I like phase four the best. Yeah? Really? Why? It just sounds really important. It also means phase the final four. Phase. That yeah. we're about to get our you know total dead period in a couple weeks. We're almost there. Yeah, let's enjoy it, uh, having stuff to talk about now. And then to close the show, uh, keep it kind of open-ended right now, but all you need to know is 44 seconds of freedom. Yep, that's it. In the show. All right. I love it. But, uh, yeah, so much to get to, so let's do it, starting with the news. Loose Cannon back behind the glass for another day. Had to go with Shaq. Uh, It was pretty cool. Yeah? Cool guy. He's a big guy. Yeah. Well, we knew that. Yeah. You didn't and, have to uh, report that. <laughs> no, he's he's <laughs> really big. Chain. And he's very well, It's a good thing they sent you there to find that out. Well, he comes <laughs> off the elevator and he's like, what are we doing? When we're doing it? Well, what are we doing right now? And I'm like, um, hi. It's pretty good Shaq and voice. I, yeah, and I shook two of his fingers and I was like, so we're just going to do it. He goes, just tell me what I got to say. Uh, for those, I don't remember if we talked about it on the show, but uh, Erica shot something with uh, Lakers and Heat and Mavericks. And Celtics, Magic. Celtics, Magic. Boston, Ma- and of course, Magic, great Shaquille O'Neal, uh, and uh, sounds like it went good. People should check it out. Broadcast, yeah, yeah. They got the broadcast. It's up. It was a good time. Let's do some news. <laughs> what's your What's your name again? Ian Rappaport. Do you Do you color that hair? Or is that a real haircut? <laughs> it's real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is that? that it's so gold. That was gold. Panthers owner David Tepper in his introductory press conference. So many things I loved about that. One, he didn't know who Ian was, which is great. And then, uh, you know, he's putting a theory out there. That's not the first time I heard that theory. There wow. was a certain oh, yeah. ATN media insider who's, I believe, posed that question. I've floated it uh, toward Ian before, and he has always <laughs> denied it. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Greg, when you uh, sent a instant message uh, chat about that quote yesterday, I thought that Ian asked Tepper no. if he had colored his hair. And I was like, oh, that's a little out of Weird. rap sheets. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> this wasn't a vision. one-on-one either. This is in front of the entire, you know, room full of reporters on NFL Network. I'm like, not saying like NFL Network, although it's a, a very entertaining and informative channel mm-hmm. i'm not saying that like you have to be watching it if you're a football fan or executive but do you want your owner to be aware of ian rapaport who's on nfl network as the main news insider i mean do you want your owner? does it matter at all that he has no idea what's going on in nfl network no i don't think so he's rich okay he owns a team now. If anything, that's good. It's like he, he said he's going to yeah, he'll let the football people take care of that. All right. Watch there you it. go. It's been settled. 
Good job, guys. Way to yeah. keep your jobs for yeah. another day. <laughs> the elves will build the shoes while he sleeps. Uh, let's start, yes, with the news that came down on Wednesday. The NFL will enact a national anthem policy for 2018 that requires players and league personnel on the sideline to stand but gives them the option to remain in the locker room if they don't want to stand, uh, Roger Goodell announced on Wednesday. Under the change approved by team owners at the spring league meeting, individual clubs will have the power to set their own policies to ensure the anthem is being respected during any on-field action. If a player chooses to protest on the sideline, the NFL will find the team. The player could also be fined by the team. Rap Sheet and Judy Batista reported um, this was all unanimously approved by the owners. It was kind of presented, uh, at least from the league side, as a, a compromise. But the union immediately piped up and, and said, we weren't consulted on this. We're not happy about this. And, uh, of course, this is a big story. And, and now it's getting bigger again, Greg. It is. And the most surprise. there's a lot to get into. But uh, I'll start with the owners really focusing on the phrase getting the focus back on football in 2018. And Roger Goodell, you know, the commissioner, talked about that a lot. And uh, actually, we, we do have a clip of Goodell talking. Let's listen to that. Nice setup. From our standpoint, uh, this is a great opportunity to continue that partnership with our players and keep the focus on the progress and the programs that we think are so important in the communities. Uh, we're proud of that support, and we think – but that's how change is really going to be made. And I came away thinking there, I just think this policy has such a strong chance to put the focus not on football. So if the, if the expressed intent of the policy, literally that's what they said is, is one of, if not the prime intent of the policy is to get the focus back on football and away from politics. I, I think as we've seen today, but I also think it's going to continue in the next few months and into the season that, that, that it's going to go against what their intent is. Yeah, and it's obviously such a complicated situation. And no matter how you feel, I think a lot of times people start to dig their heels in even harder when we, this kind of thing comes up, especially when you're calling it an anthem protest. And originally, like as we know, it wasn't an anthem protest. It was actually a sign of respect to kneel or to link arms and – there needs to be a way for people to kind of voice their opinion when they see injustices and you can't really silence people, but the dialogue that players and the community and the teams have is the most important thing because that's the only thing that's going to lead to change. And I don't know how much this new thing helps that. It falls on somebody to watch the money. That's the owners. They got to protect the brand. And I get that. That's why they acted the way they did. They reacted to, the president of the United States, they reacted to all the controversy to protect their brand, to protect their brand and the money that trickles down to everyone. But I, I agree with both of you guys. I, to me, the focus is not going to be on football. It's going to be reporters handpicking or, or counting which players were in the locker room, which players were not out there. So they're going to be identified. They're going to be castigated. They're going to be held up to scrutiny. And it's not going to be about football. By, by the end of last season, no, there was only a few people, a few players kneeling, and relatively, it was not like a huge part of the conversation. And that—that's kind of what, you know, it's almost like a—it's not like it's just a—it's not just a PR problem. But if you're being real, that's part of the equation here that the NFL is trying to solve is public relations, and I think it could go against public relations and have more focus on it when when this is happening you know what i don't know i i think what jumped out to me and why i had questions about it was the idea that the the players association was not formally a part of it and and roger goodell said that the league had spoken to tens if not hundreds of players getting their input but to really, to me, to, in my opinion, to do it right, you needed to involve the NFLPA. And if you want to call it a compromise, it has to be a true compromise where the NFLPA puts out a statement, too, saying we are behind what this is. And if they, if they can't come to an agreement, then you probably can't put in a new policy because all it's going to do is create a situation like we have right now. So I agree with you guys that I think what this is going to happen, what's going to happen now is players are – that maybe we're on the fence could end up going the other way as well. They, or there could be 
a mass decision made by players to show that they didn't like being passed over and you could have more issues on the field. I mean, it is it is maybe a Pandora's box situation. Right, it, exactly. That the, the way they had it now with no policy on some level, you know, makes more sense because there's so many things that this just opens up. Number one, like last year on the field, Shad Khan, Chris Johnson, many of the owners locked arms Jerry with Jones. players on the field during the anthem. Art Rooney, the owner of the Steelers, was asked a question whether he thought raising your fist or locking arms would be considered disrespectful. And he wasn't really sure about the answer, what the answer to that, but he thought so, yes. So I think under this policy, the actions of the owners last year when they did that would be, would be fine-worthy, I guess. Which is, yeah, is kind of so crazy. Layers. Which is, there's an absurdity to this situation that didn't hit home for me until I saw the vice president's tweet with the picture of the players. And if you showed that picture to any group of people outside of this country on earth, they would tell you that's about as respectful as human beings can act in any situations. If you showed that photo to Americans before 2000, before this century, they would say the same thing. That's about as respectful as a person can act. And that, and that's it. The shame of it is that the NFL is doing a lot with the players coalition and they're taking all these grants and they're spending millions and millions of dollars uh, in a sense, to as a bridge to the players for this, and to me, all that's kind of gonna get overshadowed by by this policy. And I saw a quote that really uh, struck with me. I think it was Robert Johnson, who's a, a very famous former district uh, attorney general, and he was like a lawyer in the Nuremberg trials. He's one of the like most famous lawyers in in U.S. history. And the quote was, to believe that patriotism will not flourish if patriotic ceremonies are voluntary and spontaneous instead of a compulsory routine is to make an unflattering estimate of the appeal of our institutions to free minds. And I thought that was that was kind of like a perfect mm-hmm. quote that talks a lot about this. And the thing about this is we're going to be talking about it as soon as week one. I mean, preseason, like you said, we're going to be watching the sidelines. People are going to be talking about it. This isn't going to end here. And it felt like for a minute there it was starting to come to an end at least. Right. right. That's um, In on the field football news, uh, the Chargers, such a strong team on paper, but they took a hit on – Tuesday, third-year tight end Hunter Henry suffered a torn ACL during practice. Anthony Lynn um, downplayed the injury initially, didn't believe it was too serious, then learned what the diagnosis was. And this is a Chargers team that had 25, I believe it was 25 players go to IR two seasons ago. They had better injury luck last year, but they had all other issues last year. Some of them brought on by themselves by moving the team, kicker issues. But now here's the injury bug again. And um, Wes, we'll start with you on this one because Hunter Henry is a name that that has come up a lot in this podcast as a guy who has a chance to become a star in this offense. And now you got to hit pause on that whole situation. Chargers were 0-3 last year before that before Hunter Henry entered the lineup they went nine and four the rest of the way with him in, li- in the lineup emerging as one of the best all-around tight ends in the NFL I believe pro football focus had him behind only Gronk he blocks really well he's a good red zone weapon he moves the change he moves the chains and, and they won six or seven games down the stretch with Hunter Henry playing a big role, I I think it's a crushing blow for the for the Chargers. It's such a shame because this was his year. Like, this was his shot without Antonio Gates there for the first time in, like, 70 years. Hunter Henry could sort of <laughs> That's accurate, get in there, I know, and be the focal point of the offense. And now they have a huge need at tight end. And so you have to wonder, are they going to call back Antonio Gates and be like, hey, oh. you know, everything that we said before. And it's not like we don't even know how much he has left in the tank because it didn't really look like he had a whole lot left. Left anyway, so maybe they kind of get over it with all of their receivers, but it's an issue now for them for sure. It's a shame. It's like <laughs> they don't even let us Chargers supporters get to <laughs> get to like August. <laughs> like I talked about it with with um, Will Brinson on his uh, his podcast, Pick Six Pod. People should check that out. And like every yeah. there's like kind of this Chargers contingent. He's one of them. I'm one of them for sure. Wes is in in the mix, and it's like they don't even let us get to August with that like imaginary 
uh, ideal Chargers team in our head. And they always start chopping it down even before who's, then. Who's they, the football gods? The football gods, yeah, because yeah. it's like no matter what happens now with the Chargers, you'll always be co- I'll be comparing it to the this ideal Hunter Henry-led Chargers team uh, in my head that could have happened because I, th- I thought Hunter Henry, I was expecting him to be one of the top three or four tight ends in the league. That said, stop. As, uh, as crushing as this is, if they are actually a good team, they will overcome this. That's true. That's fair. So the, it's you can't now tamp down expectations. The Patriots, I know they're the Patriots. They lost Julian Edelman. They figured it out. No. Um, Henry just happened to be kind of like the the guy I was most excited about. That rising star. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was going to be kind of the, their most dominant receiver. As a Chargers booster, did you consider the notion, which I did not when I wrote this article, it just popped into my head, that Mike Williams, the guy they drafted in the first round, could be like moved into a like a move tight end role. A receiving tight end. Yeah. Would make sense. He's got the size for it, for sure. And they've got three good receivers ahead of him on the death chart. Uh, another, by the way, ACL injury was Eagles linebacker uh, Paul Warlow, who also suffered a torn ACL uh, this week. And it does. it is a reminder. It's a sobering reminder, and it sucks that these are some of the best, you know, athletes in the, in the country, uh, and they are in great shape, most of them, by the time – they get to this time of year, but uh, and sometimes it's just a ticking time bomb in there, the knee. And especially that ACL, if you go through the years, every single spring and summer, there are major ACL tears. I'll just go through a list real quick because I wrote about this somewhat recently. Tannehill and Edelman last year. Teddy Bridgewater, we don't know what happened to him. Jordy Nelson, Kelvin Benjamin, Dante Fowler Jr. in 2015. Sean Lee and Sam Bradford in 2014. There are always going to be guys that blow their ACL uh, training for a new season, and Hunter Henry uh, is the most prominent guy this year so far. Uh, it makes you wonder about the value of reporting for voluntary OTAs. Yeah. Are you doing more damage to the team by showing up and risking it? It always seems to be on the first day. Or like like Fozzie Whitaker of the Panthers tore his ACL. That was on their first day of I think Fowler phase. was his first play of his first practice. After right. Henry, yeah. third Henry was on the first play, and they asked Anthony Lynn about it afterwards and he said oh it, it's nothing you know we're just being careful with them because we can and then it was it was a torn ACL mm. uh the speaking of the Eagles so they lost Warlow they also uh moved on from inside linebacker Michael Kendricks uh they announced Tuesday uh Mik- Mikal? Mikal. Michael Michael that's what I thought but I saw looks <laughs> we can and I was call like, him Mikal. did I mispronounce <laughs> his name it is spelled with a y glass nosed <laughs> Uh, anyway, interesting move, a surprising move, Connie Fox. Yeah. Uh, middle linebacker Jordan Hicks coming back from eight, eight, uh, an Achilles uh, tendon issue uh, surgery, and uh, Warlow just got hurt. He just got to the team, and yet they say goodbye to Kendricks, a guy that could probably help a lot of teams. Yeah, the linebacker position for me is the biggest question for them right now, especially after this. And Kendricks, I mean, he, he filled in really well for Jordan Hicks last year when he went down, and that's great for him because we know that – he had asked the Eagles to be traded, and we know that he kind of fell out of favor in Jim Schwartz's system. The Eagles kind of look at him as a two-down player, and Kendricks looks at himself as a three-down player. So now he has at least some good tape out there since he got the playing time, so he has a better shot at going to a team like potentially the Steelers, who also have a need at linebacker trying to replace Ryan Shazier. But Kendricks, he's coming off one of his best seasons, and I think we can I at least – realized that they were going to try and shop him around when Nigel Bradham re-signed with them. So that was kind of the the telltale sign there. But, you know, now he gets what he wanted. He wanted to be released. He's a good player. This isn't about his quality of play as much as the value of off-ball linebackers in the NFL. And the fact that the Eagles had the least amount of cap room of any team Mm. in the league. And People think, oh, well, they got past free agency. What do they need it for? I mean, they literally only had $300,000 of cap room. And so if you want to make some long-term signings, which I know that they want to do, or change some contracts, I mean, they had no flexibility. And he was due $7.5 million for a guy who's playing uh, two downs. But he made a big impact, especially in those two NFC yeah. playoff games against the uh, the Vikings and the Falcons. And he's I thought a- he was their best linebacker last year. He he's a fat. I mean, he's a fast guy. Even if he's only on the field two out of three downs, that's 650 snaps. Like that has a lot of value. Yeah, he wanted to get released. He wanted to get released back in February, early March. He wanted they're, to get released they're, they're, in they're 2015. Bo- right. They're boning. Yeah. They're boning him basically by what letting. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know why I use that boning word mean? right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, use. He is not going to max. The Eagles are boning Michael Kendricks. <laughs> <laughs> they're screwing him over. That's what I'm saying. 
Oh, oh, I get it now. It's kind of oh. late. It's late. It's late. They couldn't get a trade done. Apparently, the Falcons maybe had some interest. Ian said, Ian Rappaport. Last year? He's not going to get uh, the money, you wouldn't think, huge money, but a lot of teams will. Does anybody get huge money in late May? Or no, that's what I mean. He's not, not going to get it. At least he got a ring. You never know. There's got- some teams that are intriguing. The Steelers is Ryan Shazier's replacement makes sense. How about the Colts? You can get, rejoin Frank Reich and give them a linebacker. He got bone, though. Ooh. I agree. <laughs> Thanks. I think you should stand by it. Screwed. Boned in a big spot. He got boned in a big way. Uh, All right. And moving on. Uh, At the end of the – it is the end of the Christian Hackenberg era. Mm. Christian Hackenberg is real? Don't you have to have a – don't you have to be active on game day once to have an era? (laughs) Yes. One of the most infamous draft picks uh, of this uh, decade and – one of the worst in Jets history, Christian Hackenberg, the 51st overall pick in the 2016 draft uh, in the second round. And even though the Jets were a very bad team in each of the past two years, Hackenberg never got on the field. And there's only, I believe, one other instance in the last 30 years or so when that happened, when it wasn't injury-related. Uh, and it just wasn't happening. Hackenberg wasn't developing. The team obviously fell out of te- uh, favor with the team quickly, and even though it's the same coaching staff, that's the other surprising thing about this. It'd be one thing if the the first year he didn't progress well, and then everybody got fired, and then a new regime came in, and they're like, oh, we don't like this guy. But it was actually the same coach, the same <laughs> GM, uh, and, but even through last year, through 5-11, and 11, including after Josh McCown getting hurt in early December where there was no hope and Bryce Petty was terrible, Hackenberg still didn't see the, the field, uh, and he was a distant fourth uh, on the depth chart to start OTAs this week. He made some, I guess, negative-ish comments about the Jets not helping him enough, and sure enough, about an hour later, he was moved in a trade to the Oakland Raiders uh, for a conditional seventh-round pick, which is ba- – that's it. That's the lowest you can get without being given away to another team. Uh, so Christian, I want to find out what the conditions are, too, because I think that's going to put uh, a pin on your point. I have a yeah. feeling it's going to be free be unless the, he's like the starting. Super Bowl. Right. It's unless he's starting games over Derek. It's Carr, whether he makes think. the roster, I believe. OK, so you, there is an answer. Now, but, would John, John Gruden there? You think he's going to make that roster? I don't know. <laughs> no. I mean, probably not. But and they have, of course, Derek Carr. They have EJ Manuel. They have. Connor Cook. Connor Cook there. So it's going to be very hard for Hackenberg to make the roster. Todd Bowles uh, spoke about Hackenberg and, and what was an obvious misfire by the Jets. Let's hear what he had to say. Anytime a pick doesn't work out, I guess you can look at it as a waste. And then when a pick does work out, it's not a waste. You learn lessons from everything you do in life. It's not just football and draft picks. So if anybody's got a four-leaf clover up their butt and that's going to work out every time, please let me know that person because – Hey, it didn't work out here. Because you want to get the clover. Why is like he developing go, a personality in like year three? <laughs> it like, takes some time. Better yeah. late than never. Yeah, let so, me let me know that person because I gotta get gotta get a piece of that clover. I want his butt clover. Can you think of a bigger <laughs> indictment of an NFL quarterback than he never threw a pass on a team that started Bryce Petty in seven different games over two years? Yeah, it was a damning indictment. Yeah, I mean, I I the, com- the comment that he made was was interesting about the Jets, just that he's kind of overhauling his throwing motion now. And basically he was like, yeah, I didn't really, you know, know what was going wrong with it over the last two years. No one told me, which I'm not going to like take Christian Hackenberg's side in this, but it is worth noting, like, you know, McCagnon was like, there was all these stories. He was like driving to Penn State through a snowstorm three different times (laughs) to watch Hackenberg personally at Penn State. And he loved him. And I'm, I'm not shocked if they didn't have like the greatest plan for the to how to develop young quarterback. You got to have a plan. It's not really smart to be back in the bus up over your coaching staff when you're on the bubble of a roster though. I think he saw the writing on the wall. He was like get He me didn't out. even get any reps. Maybe it's not practice. the throwing yeah. mission, maybe he's just not a good player. Yeah. And if I mean uh, that's it got him it got him to Oakland. So actually it was kind of a good well, move. Like Gruden, he was going to waste another couple of weeks in, with the Jets. Yeah. It got him there. So Gruden might be literally Hackenbird's biggest fan. What he wrote about him before the 2016 draft when he was working for ESPN, basically saying this guy should be a surefire first-round pick. If you see what he did his freshman year at Penn State, this guy could be the top overall pick. Yeah. I mean, he the thinks, that, he thinks that coaching fixes. Poor Raiders. And, then, and as a Jets fan, there's no way to dress that up. They, had, they blew it. It was embarrassing. It was the latest kind of QB. It was the biggest QB debacle for them since the butt fumble. 
you just hope that this is like the last laugh on them. And now I want I want him Arnold. to have like light it Glory. up, light it up in the preseason <laughs> under John Gruden. And then Gruden makes these kind of vague comments where it's like, wait, could he possibly bench Derek Carr for Christian Hackenberg? Oh and that's God. a whole story. And that oh, would be that would actually work out that. for Big Mac. <laughs> Because then it'd be like, yeah, see, there was something there. I, yeah. We never gave him a chance, but we have our guy anyway now, and, and now he's not bad. But that's probably not going to happen. Nah. All right. In other news, speaking of quarterbacks, speaking of Eagles, Connie Fox loves the Eagles. That's right. Grew up loving those Eagles. It all paid off in a big way. I saw her sobbing on the field. Yeah, that was embarrassing. That was, You know what? It was sweet, though. It was I, real. I don't really like to show genuine. that side of me, no. Dan. No. I was very vulnerable on the field. <laughs> you you are <clears throat> I wouldn't call you a closed book, mm-hmm. but you do, you know, there's a It's sh- a guarded book. It's a bit of a wall. A little bit. Got to break through that. Got to break through the wall. It's tough to break. Through. But when I came upon you, Gonzo broke through the, that wall. Oh yeah, you did. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> Anyway, I don't know the tone of Dan's voice there. What? what do you, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> anyway, Colleen is an Eagles fan. That's nice. And uh, do you have any comments, Colleen? No, I just okay. kept going back to boned in a big spot. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how can I work that in? But I won't. I won't. Um, all right. Anyway, Mike Silver is a columnist for NFL media, and uh, he reported on – Tuesday that Nick Foles, of course, the Super Bowl MVP, uh, prior to the Browns acquiring Tyrod Taylor for a third round pick from the Bills, the Browns um, wanted to trade for Foles and they were willing to give up a very early second round pick, a really nice pick, 35th overall um, uh, to get Nick Foles and have the Super Bowl MVP on their team. But according to Silver, Nick Foles said, nah, I'm good. Yeah, he's a god in Philly. Yeah, but he's not the starting quarterback. He wouldn't be the starting quarterback in Cleveland either. Well, this is before the draft. You're probably right. They were going to take a quarterback at number you're one. You're probably regard. right. You're, you're, and he probably knew that. And, yeah, that is a good way to look at it. So he he chose, I'll stay the backup in Philly and maybe start the season if Carson Wentz has issues over being a bridge guy or maybe not even that in Cleveland. I get that. It's kind of a great scenario for him because he gets to be hailed as this hero in Philadelphia. He's the backup quarterback, and this is a guy who was thinking about retiring. So I don't know if he really like has big-time aspirations. Now that he won a Super Bowl, I feel like he can just kick his feet up, well, and that's wow, it. Wow, that's quite a statement. You're saying that he's lost the edge. Uh, maybe he's well, just like, I'm going to ride I mean, this He did out. get to the top of the mountain. Hey. Where is there or, to go? Or you're just smart. Like, what, which team would you rather be on, the Eagles or the Browns? I mean, if he's on the Eagles and he's – rather be happy or sad. Right. It, it, <laughs> nothing even against the Browns in particular. This would almost be true of any mediocre team. I'll go the Browns team. here in a minute. Right. Mediocre team. He's in a great situation, and when he plays for the Eagles, he's got to be feeling like he's on top of the world. And that's even if Carson Wentz is hurt or not, like if he plays, he's going to be playing in that Doug Peterson offense with those weapons around him. So the team that pay, tried to pay more for Nick Foles than the 49ers paid for Jimmy Garoppolo also tried to pay more for A.J. McCarron than the 49ers paid for Jimmy Garoppolo. I have no faith in this franchise whatsoever. Mm. And I think what people underestimate about having a franchise quarterback and getting to pay $30 million for a franchise quarterback, it's like a stupidity um, prevention or like a desperation governor. It, it keeps you from doing stupid I love that. things. I'm the yeah. desperation governor. governor. I like that. It's like the same yes. way Andrew Luck uses a governor for his injuries. Like it, 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 it prevents you from making stupid decisions, like overpaying tremendously I need one of those. for an average quarterback. And yet, and I think Nick Foles's, you know, ambivalence or you know displeasure about this idea can absolutely prevent the con- the deal from happening. So I've seen some people saying, "Oh, the Eagles are stupid not to do this." Like Nick Foles. A probably had a, a real say in it. If he says I don't want to go to that team, I'm definitely not like re, you know that's gonna make the Browns not want to go after him. And on a second thought, I don't think the Eagles are stupid for not doing it. I'd rather have Nick Foles. I know that's like than that second round pick. I think it's the the most valuable thing in the world is to have Carson Wentz and then a Super Bowl MVP at the money that they have him at. It's so cheap. And you've seen how great Nick Foles can be at his very best in that system. That's an amazing luxury. This is a team that can win the Super Bowl right now. Like I'd rather just keep Nick Foles than than the second round. You don't realize how valuable a backup quarterback is 
until you need them. What was the uh, what was the joke that we had down in the newsroom about backup quarterbacks? Wasn't there that bit? You had the bit. My my, you know, memory only lasts like six months. You know that it's uh, all erased. That. If, That's actually good. If we um, judge by the Patriots' <laughs> 2017 approach to backup quarterbacks, they are oh, literally yeah. invaluable right up until the trade deadline. Then you just give them away. Well, that, like, they're off the table all year. You can't even trade for them if you wanted to give three first-round picks. But then at the trade deadline, they're yeah. eminently available. I, I forgot because it wasn't my joke. It was a, it was a Charlie Casserly yes, joke. Yes, that's was, what I was going to say. And it was, it, it was something to the effect of, ah, see, you know, the most important person in your organization is your starting quarterback. And the second most important person in your organization is your backup quarterback. And the third most important person in your organization is your third-string quarterback. And the seventh most important person in the organization is the guy who gets the balls for the quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking of. It's a great casserly. Whoa. See, I was trying to set you up for that. I'm glad it came to you because it's, it's one of your you best. You guys got there. Bits. You got there. Uh, and speaking of this story, I love a good media slap fight. You ready for this? Yeah. Did you hear about this? Oh, yeah. Mike Silver, who I wrote. NFL Networks. NFL Media Oh, wait. Network. I don't know about yes. this. Yes. He, of course, penned the piece that we were just talking about, about Nick Foles. He had the reporting. Uh, Mike Florio. Greg, you could choose to pipe in during this conversation or at a deference for the old boss. You could you could sit it out. Your call. Mike Florio, pro football talk. Florio comes out and says uh, on his PFT handle, I'm sure that Hugh Jackson leaking that the Browns tried to trade for Nick Foles will go over well with his boss. Ooh. Ooh. And then what is Ooh. And then Silver replies, he don't like it. He don't like it. Silver replies, hey, Mike, one, don't be a Two, I had three sources. As cited in the story, Hugh was not one of them. Three, triple attempted source. <laughs> attempted source. Yes, always triple source. <laughs> three, attempted source outing is stupid. Four, if you have something to say to me, text me. Wow. And then Mike Florio replies, hey, Mike, Silver. This is amazing. One, you're basically Hugh's agent. Woof. Two, everyone knows it. And then Silver <laughs> comes back. And Silver comes off the top rope. Yeah, he does. I'm basically your daddy. You can kiss the ring the next time you see me, and I'll put you on my knee and teach you about journalism. Night, son. Kissy face. What? Stop it right now. We will stop this tournament. This is stupid. This is absolutely ridiculous. He started it. I mean, it's true. Someone did start that. Wow. I don't even know if Florio replied to that, but that was, yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I had no idea. We were due for, like, a good Twitter fight. They've had they've had some in the past. I don't think any got to this level, but they. Mm. I remember some when I worked at Oh, PFT. yeah. They've, they've had some clashes. Um, they, they both aren't afraid, you know, to, to mix it up on Twitter. I will put you on my knee and teach you about <laughs> journalism. Um Whew. DJ moved the stick, so I heard it starting a podcast. He actually tweeted at me and wrote, guess we need to step up our beef. We're very much on the undercard at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very fair. Uh, Moving on. Uh Uh-oh, it's trope alert time. Trope alert. Trope alert. Trope alert. Norv Turner. Oh, we all love Norv Norv Turner. What a guy. The offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, is invoking the name of two of the most famous pocket quarterbacks uh, that starred under his thumb. It was Troy Aikman and Chargers quarterback Phillip Rivers. And uh, the Panthers spent all of last season building up Cam Newton, getting him away from being a running, a zone read running guy, being more of a Ben Roethlisberger type. And guess what Norv's saying? (laughs) Norv's saying, I see Cam as a guy that can get – that can be in the mid to high 60s Oof. in the completion percentage uh, to ESPN's David Newton and Chris Wessling. This fired Wes out. Sometimes you get under Wes's well, skin. And- oh, no, no, no. There's a Wes- big story behind this that involves Carolina, Carolina Panthers lover David Ely. Okay, let me throw it to you, Wes, and you take it from here. First of all, explain why, why Ely's involved and then tell us why this is such a trope. Ely found this story and, and asked me if I wanted to write about it. I said I read through it and I said I literally could not be less interested in this story or what Norv Turner has to say about his delusions 
<laughs> of a guy who won an MVP award when he threw less than 60% of his passes, suddenly becoming like a 68% passer. This guy's lower body and upper body do not act in concert when he throws the ball. Mm. So he's never going to be a 67, 68% Maybe Norv can help fix that. Or, or Norv's, Norv's delusional. Or this is just another one of those May stories that you just ignore throughout the window. And Ely was so good to me during my cancer battle, so he gets to tell me what to do now. Oh, so I ended wow. up doing the story. Like, I, oh. I feel bad. Like, um, Wow, interesting. Feel like this, sound, this sounds like my wife, Emika, telling me that I wear the pants in the relationship. I'm not buying this. Uh, David Ely gets to tell Wes what to do. Well, for now. No, I'm going to stay away. It probably will wear off it, by the end of the summer. I'm sure it has, like, some kind of natural time limit on it where I just decide, <laughs> hey, I, I did my penance. Ely's not telling me to write it, you know, my 18th Cam Newton story this month. It's like okay. in uh, The Office when – uh, Dwight lied to Michael Scott when he tried to get his job, and then Michael Scott had Dwight do his laundry for two years. Like, I wouldn't put you in the Dwight Trude category here, but you're kind of saying I'm gonna do something for you, but I'm gonna you're gonna put. A I want to go on. read. I want to go read well, this article now and see the <laughs> gritted teeth that. Uh, West yeah, I, I think Ely's doing it from a place of respect. Like, he really does find it interesting because he's such a big Cam Newton fan. He's such a big Panthers fan. I just don't find it interesting because. I recognize a trope when I see. I just well, you know, it's I just funny recognize a coach running his mouth when I hear it. Well, it's funny because I thought you were really zeroing in specifically on the sixty percent completed completion percentage or six like high 60s completion high percentage 60s. trope because that is what actually every oh, year Eli Manning every year there, every year there's a there's about three. New quarter, three quarterbacks that have a new coach, and they're like, "We're gonna be in the high 60s. That's where we're and, going." And out of all Christmas. those quarterbacks, like, what? what are you even talking about? And out of all those quarterbacks, Cam Newton is the least consistently accurate of anyone who was predicted to throw in, not, but in we, the high 60s. We believe that. I think he could get him some easier throws, though, and that's what. Yeah. Oh, that's the question. Is, is Cam about. gonna take him? That we'll, we'll find out. But the question is, but like Norv. All right, this might still be this might be a trope, but Norv might not be you know blowing smoke up our ass. He might he actually sure believe. No, he might believe it. Is what I'm saying. It doesn't mean it's going to work out that way. But that's just the coach's nature. Any coach's ask nature him in October he if he believes it. I mean, maybe he can say anything in May. Maybe get him to sixty in like a dream scenario. But, it, Norv, but not high sixty. Yeah, a lot. I think Cam Newton is not inaccurate down the field. I think mid, like if you. Like 15 yards and on, he's better than your average quarterback. The problem, the problem is that's kind of like his main thing, and so that's what they build the whole offense around, and you're not going to have that high a completion percentage. Didn't we hear last year they're going to do more play action and quick that passes? It was yeah. the exact same. same. <laughs> and then happened. game three happens, they're like, our offense is stuck. We need Cam to move the sticks by running the ball again on third down. Uh, more Richie Incognito news. The former Bills offensive lineman who we talked about on Monday's show, he um, – was released by the Bills and, and intended to try to find another job. We'll see what's, what happens with that because, because Incognito is being held for an involuntary psychiatric evaluation Wednesday after an altercation at a Florida gym, Boca Raton police said uh, via ESPN. Boca Raton police spokesman Jessica Desir said officers received a call from a patron at Lifetime Gym about a disturbance involving incognito. He was not arrested, but it was taken into custody under Florida's Baker Act, which allows for involuntary psychiatric commitment for people seen as a danger to themselves or others. Police offered no further details on the incident. 34 years old, incognito. There was also a TMZ report that was, that said that him and a buddy were drinking beers together. Deci he decided incognito that he needed to talk someone, get some help, went to the center, and then changed his mind and was starting to cause a ruckus. And then at that point, they invoked, I believe, what's called the Baker Act and made him stay there. So scary situation involving Richie Incognito. I think he threw a dumbbell at someone. Can't that was that. one of the things he was accused of doing, yes. Can't do that. that. Like, that's, yeah, that's not good. Talking about the government. Well, it puts... It puts into context, you, Dan, you asked, or I believe, last show. It must have been you since we were the only people on the just show. Just us. Uh, you know, why wouldn't maybe the Bills just kind of let him come back to the – or not not allow him to be – not release him from the reserve retire list and kind of make him play for them, and this kind of puts that into context. Jeff Darlington, when he was working for NFL.com and NFL Network, wrote an article about incognito, a, a deep dive, and he's had psychiatric issues for a while. Life is hard. I can understand how your world tips over and you can't hang on. So I hope he gets the help he needs. Yeah. In other news, Ben Roethlisberger caught some heat uh, for comments that he made about not 
wanting to help out Mason Rudolph and being upset with the Steelers for using a third-round pick on a quarterback. Ben, you, you thought that was kind of an issue, right? <laughs> All right, well, you know what the answer is. So evil. He just laughed. I don't know what to make of that. Anyway, so he walked back those comments uh, at the start of OTAs this week uh, on Tuesday, uh, which, uh, as Greg told everyone, this is the phase three of OTAs. This is the phase three of this story. Like, you could have seen every single phase. <laughs> you could have said exactly what was going to happen throughout this entire offseason with this story. Just it's, it's just getting go- – there is going to be a phase four. Yeah, I, I enjoy uh, anything Ben Roethlisberger controversy related. Uh, so. There's going to be a phase four? I thought it lived – lived. it had a good life, enjoyed middle age, and this was yeah. his last dying gasp. Let's see, let's see what Ben had to say about uh, his comments and his thoughts about his teammate, Mason Rudolph. I think people took some things that I said into a context that I was going to be mean or rude or whatever, and that was not it at all. If you listen to the whole conversation, that was said and just and laughing and having fun. So I've never been the type to just um, be rude or mean to other quarterbacks. So you can ask, you know, Jones. And I've had a lot of quarterbacks through here that have been younger than me that I've tried to help any way that I can. So, um, you know, I'll continue to do that. Ben, were you being serious when you told the- Oh, okay. So it's all just a bunch of fun. Base four is like – really going out of your way on the media attended practices to do like helpful things that the media sees. And then they're talking and maybe phase five might be, (laughs) might be there's an off, you know, you know, they're going to get together and throw, you know, passes with the receivers, you know, before training camp, you know, off campus and stuff. And he's going to invite Mason Rudolph kind of as a a goodwill. Don't forget about phase six where (laughs) uh, during a media availability portion of practice, he'll be seen carrying the, helmet and the shoulder pads of Mason uh, in a gesture of solidarity, but also a little wink and an F you to the media. Right. I like that. I mean, it's chivalrous, too. (laughs) We as the media have extracted every bit of news out of this story possible. The husk is dry. Phase seven is actually Mason Rudolph just knocks Ben out. Breaks his jaw in two places and then becomes the greatest quarterback of all time. So stay tuned. Right a story. Right. So many phases. That's stand what, corrected. That's what that's what's happening in the news. All right. So I think I think especially with the the lead news item today we had uh, about the national anthem and uh, the idea of what what it is uh, to be an American. Freedom of expression. What's freedom of expression done right? What what can no one deny? And you could say what you want in this country. Well, you can't, you can't uh, scream fire in a crowded movie theater, so you can't do that. And you can't make, you can't do bomb bits in an airport. That's out now. That's out. And you can't threaten the life of a public servant, whether it be the president or anyone else. So there are there are some things you can't do. And and uh, but other than that, right. You could pretty much say whatever you want. And Greg, that's what makes this country great, isn't it? It is. All right, good. That's good. I thought you were looking for the Ben Roethlisberger laugh. <laughs> ben, that, Ben, that's what's great about America, right? right. Okay. Well, you see, he's being yeah. passive aggressive today. Um, so what we're going to do is, uh, and you could thank Greg for choosing uh, how much time we had. He, Greg decided 44 seconds was just enough freedom for each of us today. So Well, I came up, yeah, I came up with the idea, and I thought right. 48 seconds. But then I didn't, you know, we have well, the 48 minutes of the AFC. That's not. Don't want to box yourself in. No, you don't you want to be predictable. 44. So this is your idea. That's right. Greg. Okay. <laughs> right. Making sure everybody knows. Right. <laughs> Humble explanation. No, if, so although 48 seconds would have been different than 48 minutes. That's true. That's true. But we're going to do 44 seconds, mm-hmm. which is totally outside the box. And no yeah. other podcast is doing this. Why don't you show me one other podcast? That dedicates 44 seconds to each member of the show to express themselves freely. In fact, when I heard about this, I thought I missed something and that the 44 had represented something in the news or something that happened. So then I spent about 10 minutes looking around because I didn't want to let you guys know that I didn't know what was Mm. going on. Big waste of time. It's the right amount of time. Was it maybe an Obama ref? He was the 44th president. He was a great man. Eric like, Davis' like uniform number. Mm. Eric Davis. Hank Aaron's uniform number. I believe the National Hammer League hitting Hank. streak record is 44 games. Pete wrote. Not as good as 56. The no. AL streak. And the AL better than the NL, as we talked about I mean, on Twitter. The AL is a little mm. Johnny come lately to the party, of course. <laughs> the NL being there first and establishing themselves. Is this going to be your 44 <laughs> You'd still be playing, cricket. Yeah. You'd still <laughs> be playing cricket without the NL. All right, here we go. Uh, Colleen, you're going to get us going. Whoa. And what we're going to do, okay. Erica, loose cannon behind the glass. 
Yo. You're going to time this. Yep. It's very important to hit this 44 seconds. Oh, shoot. Because okay. that's what it's all about. All right. As soon as it, and you don't have to worry about timing. Okay. Or you could. I got To you. know where you are. But you cut the mics. Just cut them. Wow. Yep. Gone. There, there's no, oh, let me get a couple extra seconds in. Okay. All right. I'm ready. All right. Here. And you could start. And we can just say anything we want. Talk about anything. Uh, other, than, other than Other than the guidelines that you already put out. Fire in a theater. Right. Not in a theater. Bomb stuff at the airport. Not an airport. Public servant, like death not, threats. And not at like the White Violent threats. Got it. Okay. Okay. When the music starts, you start. Okay. Go. Killing Eve right now is probably the best. No, not probably. It's the best show on TV. And if you're not watching it, you're missing out. Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer, they are the two leads, and they're awesome. It's about an MI5 agent trying to hunt down an assassin, and she's psychotic. It's wonderful. Also, I'll Be Gone in the Dark is my new favorite book. Another um, sort of thing about a psychopath, sociopath. So what does that say about me? I don't know. Shout out to Supercuts uh, and Janine for fixing John's hair today. It looks really, really good. Also, everybody, follow the broadcast IRL on Instagram and Twitter. And I've been grilling a lot lately. This is my odds and ends because I really did not. I just put some bullet points. I've been grilling a lot lately. Tweet me your recipes if you are really into anything because I'm trying to get outside the box. Oh, she's cut. Honey box outside the box. And Damn. I, and good job by all three of us because I think it's very important. Yes, you could react with a, a chuckle or, mm-hmm. or any type of expression like that, but no speaking by anyone else. You give that person their freedom for those 44 seconds. No, Colleen was creative. I didn't even, it didn't even cross nice. my mind to talk about like a million different things. Yeah. Well, mm. you, it's not too late. You're going to be the last in the boomerang. Okay. Uh, and any thoughts? What was that? I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle yeah. McNamara. It's oh yes, Golden State Killer. It's I just awesome. watched a Forty Eight Hours about that yesterday, and the <sighs> book apparently is incredible. I can't watch. I can't read it while John isn't home. Like it's that. Did they, it is did that nice chilling. Job. She famously she passed away last April, mm-hmm. and then Patton Oswald, her husband, widow had these two other dudes finish the book, and I was curious. Uh, it's know, so well done. It's one. awesome. She's an amazing writer or was an amazing writer. Interesting. Check it out. All right. All right, Wes, it is your time to shine. Before I start, I'd also uh, echo Colleen's recommendation to follow the broadcast on all social media. Thank you, Wes. Thanks, Wes. Devices. Nice. You're grilling too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I've been grilling. you some stuff. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Awesome. Good for you. Okay, this is a passage from a book called *Sapiens: A Brief History of Wait, Humankind. wait, I want to make sure, Wes. We'll let him do that setup. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure you get <laughs> okay. your 44. You don't need to set up. You deserve your own 44. All right. It's a book passage, everybody. The European empires did so many different things on such a large scale that you can find plenty of examples to support whatever you want to say about them. You think that these empires were evil monstrosities that spread death, oppression, and injustice around the world? You could easily fill an encyclopedia with their crimes. You want to argue that they in fact improved the conditions of their subjects with new medicines, better economic conditions, and greater security? You could fill another encyclopedia with their achievements. Due to their close cooperation with science, these empires wielded so much power and changed the world to such an extent that perhaps they cannot be simply labeled as good or evil. They created the world as we know it, including the ideologies we use in order to judge them. Ooh. Wow. Sounds like a, a page turner. I just found it relevant today. The book again was... Sapiens, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Do you want to uh, expound upon that at all? I just found it relevant to, yeah. for, for today. Maybe you shouldn't. I see what you're saying. I think listeners can gotcha. draw their own connections. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. <laughs> you like that book? It's. Uh, I was telling it? Colleen before the show that yeah. it's it, it's one of the most eye-opening books I've ever read and, and definitely the most important book I've read in the past decade or so. That says wow. a lot because you're a big reader. That's a, that's a Maybe our 4th of July week show should be the return of the book club. <gasps> yes! I'm still book. working but on that, that uh, the first one. That's <laughs> why you can put in the can, Greggy. We could. So we, you're going to be in it, right? You famously Maybe. you didn't want to be involved in the book club one last time. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I was away. I have a couple books to talk about, actually. Okay. I might not be here, Let's though. Let's do it. We yeah, do we might have to pre-tape here. it. Mm. Pre-tape it. All right. Here we go. I have a message for the person who continuously allows their dog to defecate on my front lawn <laughs> and chooses not to clean up the droppings. I want you to know that I am happy you are doing this. Why? Because I know that I am going to catch you. 
and when I do, I am going to take my time with you. We are going to get to know each other very well. I won't say we'll become best friends, but you will remember my face in the same way. I will be etched into your mind forever. You want to turn my lawn into your canine's personal toilet? You want to be the neighborhood bad boy? Well, you should know that comes with a price. The cost is everything you own, and everything you love, and everything you are, plus interest. Till we meet. And oh yes. Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> it was so strong. It was so strong, but for the listeners at home, there was one final kick line. And I can't say it. And no. uh, you didn't get it out. Thanks. Can we say it for you? If you want. You can he pay. said, and we will meet. But you, Is there going to be a ball gag involved? I can't say anything else. Uh, freedom of expression, again, even though this person is probably not a public servant. Mm-hmm. You can't just those. You know. Yeah, those people. As a dog owner, I have bags on me at all times. I I you am not it. that person. Is there anything? I get a lot of that. I mean, we're yeah, we're in a highly trafficked area, and also I can see out into the front from my window, so sometimes I I see them. I make sure. Treat yourself with respect. Mm-hmm. Get a bag and clean up at your dog. Come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. All right, Greg, close this out. All right. Well, like uh, West doing a little lit. Shout out. R.I.P. to Philip Roth. Mm. Last night, passed away. One of the legends. Like, I wish I kind of lived in a time where an author could have as much impact and social currency and matter as much as Philip Roth did. I mean, he, even among American writers, I mean, he might be the guy from the last 50 years, which is a pretty long time. Goodbye, Columbus is amazing. The ghost writer changed my life Prague orgy really all the zuckerman bound books and then he wrote a great great book about his father called patrimony you know they never gave him the nobel prize screw you nobel prize people because ultimately philip roth's going to be remembered more as the guy who what a cliffhanger you have to wait <laughs> next year till we do this again to find out what Philip Roth's <laughs> going to be remembered yep. for. I actually, I would like to help you the way Colleen helped me, sure. but it actually, I didn't hear it I because I, the music was loud. It was ironic what I, I said. I heard it. Oh, you, you want to help out, Greg? Yeah. Well, I think it was just one word that got yeah. cut off, right? Yeah. Snubbed. There you go. Like I was by this game. Yep. Wow. Uh, you right. set the time. You yeah. Set the constraints. <laughs> if you kept it at 48 seconds, you're golden. Yeah. Some people just hit their marks. Oh. 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 Shots fired. All right. Good freedom, guys. Yeah. Great freedom. That's great. You know, a little freedom in the backyard this weekend. The old Zeusers going to have a little BBQ. Loose cannon, you want to come? Hell yeah. All right. Getting on it's going to be more than 44 seconds. Yeah. You know, I don't like having people over, you know, that are outside my comfort zone. So I only, I'm only having people over that. I'm, I'm going to bring Blitz in and she is going to shit all over your yard. That's fine. Just <laughs> bring a bag, as we talked about just now, because you know what happens. You know the way I react when people disrespect my yard. My yard. I know. I gotta get my Super Bowl clothing out of storage. Get my earmuffs and hat. And it's yeah. always so cold. Dan's backyard is. is the coldest place on earth. It does have a reputation that I can't control. It's like a polar vortex somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> it's true. Um, all right. So we'll be back on Friday. It is our final. Uh, it is our final show of three weeks. Uh, for a little bit until uh, we'll have about you know about six eight weeks where we do sh- two shows a week, and then um, then we'll be back full tilt, come training camp. But we're not going anywhere. Right. All right. Good. Little start. Uh, just a little note for the audience. All Great right. show. Good show. Fun times. All right. Let's go. Stan Hans is signing off for Connie Fox, the mailman, the old boss, the loose cannon, the whole gang. Till Friday! (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. 